Uh, today, uh, the message that comes to us from Isaiah is one I, I, I found uh, very to be very good timing, very convenient timing, because I don't know where I first heard this phrase from, but I've heard somebody say at some point that we live in the age of rage, and it seems like social media has just uh, hyped up that aspect of our lives where everybody thinks they're they're right and they've got the right just to say it in however way they want to and uh that that aspect of social media gives us a little bit of anonymity and makes us able to do that and uh we're in the we're in the political season and everybody it's us versus them and so many things in our world right now are it just seems like everything is trying to divide and it's us versus them and you have the right and you should be angry at them, whoever them might be. And so we're in this age of rage. And I think this message that we have today is to remind us, to re- let us remember that Jesus Christ would have us to take the high ground. And I think that's a phrase we all know. You take the high ground or take the higher ground. You don't stoop down to where people are in the mud and the mire and, and uh, engaging of all sort in all sorts of uh, uh, evil and ugly ways of relating to each other. Take the high ground and not engage in personal attacks. Um, and actually, uh, he would, thinking about Jesus and what he would want us to do, he would actually have us to take the highest ground. And that's the the lesson about to, that we're looking at today is the mountain of the Lord. That's the highest ground. That was what was promised in the book of Isaiah was the highest ground possible that you can go to. So the lesson uh, today is take the highest ground, take the highest ground. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, uh, I, I think the circumstances were a very difficult time, um, and the prophecy that he was giving was predicting the, the, the very close fall. Israel, the northern kingdom, was about to fall. You're going to fall. Things are so bad. The Lord is just going to eliminate you. But he also goes on and says, but the fall of Judah, it's not far behind. It's going to fall in its own time. But in the midst of this disaster, in the midst of this prophecy, which would be very disheartening for uh, the people to hear this, that, hey, God's going to uh, let Babylon come and wipe you out. Um, he gives hope. The Lord gives hope by promising to save his people. And this hope is first forecast, um, you know, in a in ex- almost an explicit way in, in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So we're just going to go to these verses, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I will say there are wonderful things of hope in chapter one. So I don't want to, I guess I didn't want to diminish from that. But this, this prophecy in chapter two of Isaiah is a very, very important one for us to take, to think about taking the highest ground. And that is the mountain of the Lord that is established in Jesus Christ. So I want to read that passage again. Then we're going to go through it just a little bit. Um, and not in depth, and, and don't be afraid. I'm not going to go to all the passages I have listed, but I would encourage you to kind of, uh, if you're not convinced with but the simple things that I say, I, I encourage you to dive in a little deeper and figure this out on your own. 
Uh, these prophecies are very important prophecies. We never want to misuse prophecies because you can just kind of, if you take a prophecy and go any which way with it, man, you can get all kinds of things from it. You got to be careful of that. Um, so Isaiah chapter two, verses one through four. The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it came about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Come, O house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Verse 5. So as we look and consider this, you know, this is this is a very hopeful thing. Uh, uh, and, and you can see why I'm saying that this passage is so relevant, because the promise here is that the, you know, that, all these weapons of war um, are going to be hammered and be, be made into useful tools and that we'll no longer learn war. There's this promise of peace uh, that just, it should stir our hearts, shouldn't it? Shouldn't this capture us in this day and age of rage when everybody is just at each other's throats and we hear that Jesus, well, and what I'm going to propose to you is that in Jesus, there is peace offered. Peace. His is a kingdom of peace. His is unlike the other kingdoms. His is one of peace. So, and, and there, you know, there, to be fair, as we, I'm not going to mention this again, but to be fair, we got to consider what that peace means. Um, because sometimes when G Jesus comes into somebody's life, there are ways that he has put at odds with family, with friends, and those kinds of things. So, but there is a higher ground, and his is the kingdom of peace that all people should be streaming through, streaming to. So back to verse number two. I want to key in on the phrase, in the last days. In the last days. This is, we are living in the last days. We are in the last times. We are in the age of Christ and his church. So there are a list of these verses that are here. Um, the very first one is a lengthy passage, but it also uses this term about the last days, Daniel 2, 28 through 45. It's a lengthy passage that really defines um, periods of times when kingdoms will be established and then they will fall to another kingdom. But there is going to be a last in the last days, there was something different going to happen, a different kind of kingdom established. And a mountain is mentioned within that passage, too. So, so you got Daniel 2, 28 through 45. You can also turn to the book of Hosea, and in particular, chapter 3, verse 5 of Hosea. 
Joel 2.28 is going to figure very prominently into the, the day and time of Christ and his kingdom, his church being established on this earth. Micah chapter 4, verse 1 and following is almost word for word. Micah was, uh, uh, he was prophesying at the same time of Isaiah. And as you look at Micah, you start reading in chapter 4, verse 1. It's so interesting. It's almost word for word what Isaiah was saying. Two prophets saying the same thing. Giving hope even though disaster is imminent. Um, and then we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 17 in a minute. And Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 talks about in these last days, you know, in, in times past, God spoke to our forefathers. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through Jesus Christ, the Son. So the last days, it's a, it's a reference to Jesus coming and establishing something new. We are in this day and time of the last days. So... You know, when somebody asks, you know, are you, um, you know, what do you think? Is this the end times? Is this the, uh, is, are, are these the last days that scripture talk about? Well, yeah, and it's been the last days since Jesus came. He began a whole new era of his, of, of, of people turning to him and following him, being a part of him, being a part of his kingdom here on this earth. We call it the church. Those who are in the church are following Christ as the ruler. We're in his kingdom, and it is the last days. And then the very next thing is it says the mountain. Notice it's singular. It is the mountain. And this mountain is going to be mentioned a couple times in verse number two. It's going to be mentioned in verse number three. The mountain, the mountain, the mountain. And it is the mountain of the house of the Lord. You know, so in Jerusalem, uh, the temple was on the... The temple was in Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, the highest point in Jerusalem, that's where the temple was located. God is located at the highest spot. He is, and this is a reference to the mountain of the house of the Lord. This is where God's temple is going to be located, where his presence is, where his kingdom is centered and established. It is the mountain of the house of the Lord. This is Christ's kingdom and his church. Daniel chapter 2, verse 35 is in the midst of that lengthier passage that I mentioned, but it talks about a mountain that kind of crushes, every, that has, the rock has crushed everything else, and then a mountain is established above all the others. The mountain of the house of the Lord. This is Christ's kingdom, his church, the enduring kingdom that will not end. The mountain of the house of the Lord. All nations are going to stream to this mountain. It's raised up above all the other. It's higher than all the other mountains. It's the chief of them. And this mountain is certainly above all the hills. This is, this is the spot. This is the place we want to go to. If you want to be right with God, this is where you will go. And then in the chapter 3, I want to go to the latter part of this verse because there's a phrase here that I really think kind of clues us in that, that everything else that I'm saying here and point, using this idea of the mountain in the last days pointing to Christ and his church, that we're a part of this, con, this, this kingdom, is at the end of verse 3 it says, For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord 
from Jerusalem. And now I do want to, want us all to turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. So in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, and this is before Jesus ascends to heaven, and so this is going to be him speaking in a moment. And if you have red letters in your Bible, you'll know that this is Christ. Gathering them, gathering his disciples, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now I'll pause here just for a second. Restoring the kingdom to Israel. They had read this passage in Isaiah 2 and all the other passages in Daniel and all the, you know, they are looking forward to this kingdom when, when Israel is going to be the main kingdom and all the other nations are going to stream to it. And when, you know, everybody's going to beat their weapons of war and make them into implements for farming. It's going to be a time of peace when Israel reigns. Is, is this the time that you're going to do that? Though they were, they were, they were looking forward to it. That's my point. They were longing for it. They had heard the prophecies that we have already read and referenced. Verse 7 of Acts chapter 1. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So here is this picture of Jesus saying, you guys are going to be the one that are going to fulfill uh, what we have read in, in Isaiah chapter 2, where it said that the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That word would go forth. And he's saying, you guys are going to be the ones to take it. So this is the establishment. This is the beginning of the, the kingdom is about what is to happen when that spirit of the Lord comes upon them. And it's just a beautiful and wonderful thing. And now to fit in while we're here in Acts, let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 2. And you can read at the beginning of chapter 2 how the Holy Spirit did come upon them. And they started speaking in, in other tongues, which was actually uniting people with us with they were able to hear the one message going forth to all nations here in just this one place all these nations were represented and then uh in verse 14 peter begins to speak and tell people what is occurring there verse 16 he says but this is what was spoken through the prophet joel so up above in the outline and earlier in the, the message, I'd mentioned Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He's about to quote that passage, and he is saying, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Verse 17 of Acts 2. 
And it shall be in the last days, says the God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 21, on down at the end of this quote from Joel, Peter says, And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when you consider this this whole passage, this, this these four verses or five verses that we looked at in Isaiah chapter 2, it's just a wonderful glimpse of the Lord and his church. Peter confirms it in his message. We are in the last days, and we are a part of Christ and his church. All of us who have believed in Jesus, repented of our sins, and confessed the name of Christ, and been baptized into him to live and to walk in him forever, we are a part of what was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 2. That law will go forth from Jerusalem, uh, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We've heard it. They took that message forth, and we have heard that message, and we have believed. What a beautiful and wonderful thought. And now, as we consider that kingdom that we're in, my last little point, the only little kind of paraphrase or summary words that I used in this kingdom, God will bring peace. And in the age of rage, the church of Christ is still here. God's people are still present. God's people are ready to bring forth a message that will bring peace. And that is a beautiful wonderful thought and as we turn back let's just read it again and think about this the impact of this and the implication of what is here and what christ needs us to be it is a powerful thought the idea of peace connected with us in the age of rage and he will judge between the nations Isaiah 2.4, and will render decisions for many peoples, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. The thought for us to consider is, if that is true right now, not of some time to come, but it's true of us right now, how are we a part of that? Is that passage being fulfilled with you and I, with Jesus' church? Are we fulfilling this passage? So consider, do you have peace within this internal peace that passes all understanding, do you have that peace in your heart, in your soul, guarding you, keeping you? Do you have 
peace within. Do you strive to be at peace with all men? Do you overcome evil with good? In the age of rage, do you always take the high ground? And as you consider this last question, you got to examine and think. What hills do you need to leave? Now notice, and if you're still open in Isaiah 2, uh, at the end of verse number 2, it says that this chief of mountains will be raised above all the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. What nation, what hills do you need to leave in order to go up to the mountain of the Lord? Are you still camped on some hill that is down low? Just some little hill. And Christ is saying you need to get to the high ground. The highest ground. What hill do you need to leave in order to go up to the mountain of the Lord? In this passage, the word come is in here, the invitation to come. Verse number three, many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Verse five says, come, house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. So the invitation, first of all, is to any who have not come to the mountain of the Lord, if you have not come to God, if you have not come to the place where he is, and that is in Christ Jesus, he is the Messiah, he is the ruler, he is the king, he wants to be the king of your heart and of your life, come and go up to that mountain, come to Christ Jesus, give him your life, and then once you have come to him, Walk in his light. The idea of peace is one that we need to consider today. Are you at peace with God? Because if you're not at peace with God, you're never going to have peace within, and then you're never going to be able to have peace with others. And if you're not at peace with others in the greatest way that you can possibly be, then Christ might not be working in your life. You will not be able to achieve peace with everyone. Do not get me wrong. But Jesus, in his kingdom, it is a kingdom of peace. Make sure that you consider those questions that we have asked today. But come to the mountain of the Lord. Come walk in the light of the Lord. If there's anybody that needs to respond to the, to the invitation, you're welcome to contact me at the close of our service. Or get a hold of somebody else. But come to Jesus. If you need to respond, I hope that this song will encourage you to do so.